morning, guys. Good morning to you. All right, good, glad you showed up. All right, good morning. Hey, man, it's awesome to be in the house of God. God is doing some big things. I do want to add my word of welcome to our guests here. Can we show our guests how much we appreciate them? I met several out in the cafe, so I love it. I love seeing the communion uh, in the cafe and just hanging out and, and getting to know one another. So if you're a guest here and you feel like, man, I don't know most of these people, some of us don't know each other either, all right? So you're just in a good place uh, to where you can, uh, over time, get to know one another and know a group within a group. That's the aim and the goal is not to know everybody, but to get some believers around you. And I'll say more about that in my uh, message here in just a, a minute. But uh, is this not awesome right here? I just want to say thanks to everybody. I mean, 100, probably, I don't know, 120, 130 boxes here. I would guess, or, or close, at least over 100, I know. I'm going to count to 50, and I got to 50 right here, So, and then I gave up. But, but anyway, thank you so much. This is an opportunity to be a huge, huge, big blessing in the life of a child. And um, my number one prayer over these children is every box that represents a child right here, every every box, my number one prayer, in fact, we're just going to pray for them right now, over, over each child that received this box, that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at a young age of understanding. Amen? And they're going to they're gonna hear you say, this box represents Christ to these kids um, because this is, this is all they'll get for Christmas. This is the highlight of their Christmas morning. And um, so I just think that, um, I, I just think that, um, well, well I'm, I'm honored to be able to, to be a part of this. And uh, I think we need to, to lift these children up to the Lord, uh, knowing that God is using these boxes, just like Jesus did. Jesus met a physical need. Jesus told his own disciples when they thought he was too busy in his agenda, three and a half years of ministry, he said, no, 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 we always make room for the children. And, uh, and in fact, he said, if you're going to be what you need to be for me, it starts with a childlike heart and a childlike, childlike faith. So let's, let's pray and lift these up to the Lord. Father, thank you, God, for your love, Lord Jesus, for us. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you uh, demonstrated your love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, you died for us, Lord. So literally, Jesus, you are love in a box, and Lord, it's through this love, God, in this box that we pray, God, these precious children, God, who, Lord, many, Father, Lord, um, don't have, Lord, maybe one meal, two meals a day, Father, God, Lord, and uh, Lord, this is the highlight of their year, God, in this little box, Lord. Lord, I just um, pray you will touch them, God, deep down, Lord, in their soul, Father, Lord, and that they would know, Father, God, that, that you are, Lord, the God, Lord, of all comfort, God, the God of salvation, the only God, Lord, the God that, Lord, their hearts, even in a foreign land, Father, uh, Lord, longs knowing, God, there's a sovereign God, there's a sovereign creator, God. May they meet you personally, God, and may you, God, stir their heart, Lord, to say yes to you, Father, Lord, and may you bless the work, God, of, uh, Lord, the missionaries, God, that will be carrying the gospel into these areas, God. Bless ministries like Franklin Graham, God. And, Lord, would you bless our own ministry, God, as David and Bobby, Lord, have boarded the plane, God, to fly, Father, to our adopted city in West Africa, God. And would you also take that seed that is planted, God, and continue to water it, God, uh, through their faithfulness, God. And, Lord, we call on you, God, because you're the only one that can give increase, God. And we pray you'll give increase, Lord, uh, to your word, God. And we pray for encouragement to those 12 believers there, Father God that they would be encouraged, God, and just your spirit, God, would unify them together, Father. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you for being a part in that and um, being a blessing. Well, let's dive in. We started a series last week uh, entitled God Over All Nations. And so I want to take us into week two of that and, um, and kind of walk us through God's word. Psalm 33 is where we're going to be. And uh, in this, and we were there last uh, week and got through about the first uh, 
10 uh, to 12 verses. Our key text is in the 12th verse of Psalm 33. And, uh, man, I just thank God for the Psalms. He's been ministering to me personally uh, through the book of Psalm in a way, uh, really for the first time in my life. I've read the book of Psalms, and, uh, of course, we all probably have heard the 23rd Psalm or have read it, but uh, God led me to go through with our Wednesday morning. We do, in case you don't know, all right, let me put a little plug in for our Wednesday midweek worship service here. One of the greatest decisions we ever made was to take a Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. and say we're going to give a time for our uh, senior adults, our retired people, especially those that can't get out once it gets dark and the time changes. And we're just going to start having our own little service in here on Wednesday mornings and uh, coming together and, uh, and for the fellowship, for the word and all that. And it's been unbelievable, the time and the spirit of God. I'm literally convinced that the sweetness of the spirit that we're getting to experience in here is God is bringing his blessing in and over our church through the faithfulness of our senior generation, their faithful prayers, their, their willingness to be more concerned about what God wants in his heartbeat for our church than what they want personally and what others want. And so I just, I just give praise for that. But we've been going through the book of Psalms. And so if you are retired, semi-retired, if you have a parent uh, who is, is retired, semi-retired, and you think they would enjoy being a part of that, um, invite them. Uh, Wednesdays at 10 is when we meet, and we would love to have them in here. Psalm chapter 33, and today's sermon title is His Chosen Heritage, okay? His Chosen Heritage. We're going to look at what that means, and here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. You can't go wrong when He's Lord of your home, okay? You can't go wrong when He's Lord of your home. Now, the reason I said your home is it all starts in your home. We talked last week about our nation, and I'm going to say a little more about the past week and how I believe God's extended His grace to our nation over this past uh, week, past, uh, past Tuesday, and uh, literally it all starts in the home, though, before our nation could ever be blessed, and it has been blessed, it had to start in the home, it had to start in the uh, spiritual leaders somewhere of men who were going to honor God, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and so it all starts at home, so you can't go wrong when he's Lord of your home, and decisions, there are decisions that we make um, that reflect Jesus is our Lord, and when he's Lord of your home, you will, I want to give you the decision, just two today, okay? Two decisions that you will make. The first decision is this. When he's Lord of your home, you will look to Christ. You will look to the Lord for counsel, okay? For personal counsel, you will look to the Lord when he's Lord of your home. As a nation, we will look to the Lord. If, if he's Lord, you see, because we said he's God over all nations, meaning that he created all. All will give an account. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he's not the Lord of all nations. In fact, currently speaking right now, I don't see any nation that he's truly Lord of except the church right now, okay? That's how serious this moment is. So, so he's Lord. Uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so we know for certain that the church, uh, the Lord is our God of the church. Now, we want to say that about our country, right? But we've got to be sure we're very careful that we don't put our faith in our country our faith in our government, that our faith goes, and the priority of our faith goes to God, God alone, and the kingdom that he told us to seek after, which was not a personal kingdom. It was not an American kingdom. But our hope is, is that as he blesses the church, that the church would then be his hands and feet and a blessing that gets infused into our culture, gets infused into our schools, gets infused into our workplaces, and then God begins to shape the heartbeat of our nation as a whole because we can do more together in unity to help those who are in poverty, to help those who are under dictatorship as a whole. God can use us to help them, and historically he's done that, and so that's why I'm so blessed 
to be a part of this country. And I also uh, want to give praise where praise is due to those who have fought for our faith and fought for our freedom. And that is our veterans. So if you're in the house and you're a veteran, would you please stand to your feet right now where we can honor you, okay? Veterans in the room, anybody in the room that's a veteran? Yes, Brent, thank you. Mr. Glenn, appreciate you, buddy. This 9 o'clock service, he was up here standing and playing in the band. Now he gets to stand, and, um, and we can honor him and, and all. We appreciate what you do, man. You fight. You make a commitment to fight for our freedom, and truly from the bottom of our hearts. It was a powerful picture in our 9 o'clock as we lined probably, I bet there were 20, 25 men, something like that, across this front, and it was just uh, it was an honor to honor them. And I truly thank you, uh, guys, from the, from the bottom of my heart. And um, we appreciate your, your commitment. And, and so when I talk to soldiers that literally have served and they know the Lord and they, they know who God is and they want to see the same thing our spiritual forefathers seen, I see the, I see the compassion. I see the tears in their, in their eyes because they, too, you know, signed up to fight for that freedom and for God's blessing on our life. And so I know it's hard when you see things turning uh, morally and taking a downward spiral and so but be encouraged man God is the the Lord of the nation of his church and that's how he wants to use us so the church is not to be idle but it all starts in the home so look to Christ for counsel look at verse 10 and verse 12 and then we'll get to our, our key verse in verse um, 12 uh, here in just a second look at verse 10 we'll read verse 10 and 11 of um, Psalm 33 it says this it says the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. And so God is over all nations, but not every nation uh, uh, has the God as their Lord. And so that's the aim and that's the goal. And God is saying this to all nations. When, I, when you choose to um, not acknowledge me, or you choose to turn or go against me, or you try to choose to build your own kingdom as they did in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel, uh, literally God, uh, Babel, he says, literally, I will frustrate your plans. I will come in among you. I will frustrate you. He did that in Genesis chapter 11. He has done that in our nation, our great nation, uh, that has historically sought him and was founded on him. He brings frustration. So, He'll do it to you personally, too. The number one step that we must take to receive God's blessing is to look directly to Him and Him first, only Him, for all order and direction of our lives, is to look to Him. It's always a mistake if I personally choose not to do that. If I take matters in my life in my own hands, if you take matters into your life in your own hands, then literally it's going to be a mistake. You're going to pay some consequences, all right? In fact, if we don't go to God, here's some applications for you. If we don't go to God personally for the direction in our life, uh, literally what's going to happen is we're going to uh, uh, be impacted by our circumstances and we'll allow our current circumstances to shape us and we'll forget that he is God over our circumstances. And so like this past week, if things hadn't have went all right, the way they went for the church and many believers all right, uh, and to believe that God has extended his grace, there are many who would have got bogged down. There are many who would have known, uh, not known what to do, just like those Auburn fans that didn't come to church today because of all people. We can't believe Georgia beat us. You know what I'm saying? Because they're terrible this year. That means we're worse. All right, let's just confess it. But anyway, so, so people get rattled by their circumstances. But you see, even if last week happened to win the, uh, the way that I'm glad it did because I believe it's God extending his grace, uh, I would have been okay. You would have been okay. My kingdom's not of this world. 
We might have fought through some tougher times and some tougher battles, but God wants you to know that your faith and certainty has to be in him and in him alone, and then all blessings flow and come from getting that in order and seeking him for direction. So that's what we want to do as a whole. And so uh, God will continue to bless us. So you see God's word, all right? In God's word, we find Christ. Christ is the word, the logos in the Greek, and that's where our counsel comes from, and he gives us the best plan for our lives personally and as a nation. So I want to ask you a question. Number one, are you going to God's word for that counsel? Do you have your own personal time where you go to God's word for that counsel? You need your own personal time. Even as a pastor and a minister and a teacher and, and knowing that's the main priority of my job is, is preaching the word of God, preparing, preaching, and praying uh, that literally I've got to have my own time in that, not just what I'm preaching, communicating to you, but I've got to have my personal time what God said to me. Do you have a time you're going to God yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with godly counsel that God provides? These are some deep penetrating questions I want to ask yourself. And here's the third one, okay? Are you becoming that counsel yourself to others? In your faith journey, in your faith journey, number one, are you going to God daily for your own counsel? Number two, are you surrounding yourself with godly counsel? Proverbs says in the multitude of counsel, there's much wisdom. And number three, are you in your own journey, in your faith journey, are you being a spiritual counsel to anybody else? That's a sobering question. Because the deal is, that's where God wants to get you to. In some way to where not only are you going to him for daily counsel, not only are you being wise to surround yourself with godly counsel, but then God wants to work in and through you to be that godly counsel yourself. So who is it? Who is it that you are giving godly counsel to? Who is it that you're being a lie to? And literally, I believe that it all starts in the home and all things come from there. And that's what God has shown the leadership of this church is that... Um, we literally are sickened, okay? I'm just going gonna, gonna to shoot you straight. We are sickened by the hypocrisy that is settled into the church in today's time. What I mean by that, I mean this. God has shown us that we have no desire to be a part of an assembly or a congregation where everybody puts on their little pretty church mask and comes to church every Sunday and acts like everything's great and wonderful in their life when literally they're falling apart inside. Okay? So we're just being, we're just being transparent here. And so we want to say, no, 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 no. We know who the enemy is. We know who he's working against. We know he's the father of all liars. We know we have a responsibility as shepherds and elders to come in and lead, feed, and protect our people from that. And that means we've got to know those that labor among us. I've got to know what's going on in Josh's life over here. I've got to know where Preston's at. We want to know where you're at in your faith journey. Uh, Sonia wants to know where our ladies are at in their faith journey so that she can be an aid and a counsel and a guide to them. That's what we are to be about doing. And so God has put a group of men around me, a spiritual eldership around me, that literally I don't feel alone in the journey. I don't carry all the weightedness of what it takes to fight the devil and the warfare to kind of lead all you people. I don't do that alone. I don't feel alone in that. I don't think God ever intended for me to feel alone in that. And that's why we see... The, the, the plurality of eldership. But here's what I do know. Some of you are walking alone in here. Some of you men in here that God's called to be the spiritual leader of your home, you're walking alone. Nobody knows that you're struggling with porn. Some of you ladies in here are walking alone. Nobody knows that you're struggling and walking through the darkest, deepest time of depression in your life. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows the, the deep-rooted issues that have taken you to that place. But here's what I believe. God 
wants others knowing. God wants you coming out of that depression. God wants you breaking that porn addiction. God wants you coming through whatever that is that has a hold on you. And can I tell you something? You're not going to do it in and of yourself. You're not going to do it. You're going to have to go to God for counsel, number one. You're going to have to surround yourself with godly counsel. And then literally you're going to say, God, now use me. Isn't isn't it neat how God works? Now, God, use me to be that counsel to others. Use my story for your glory, God. Use what you're doing in my life for your glory. How's God doing that in and through you? So God's put an eldership around me. God's put a senior staff. We're real and we're raw. And we go in and we get real. And I say, hey, man, here's where I'm at. You know, and they, they come around me and encourage me or speak a hard word of truth into me. And we do that with one another. God's given me a group of men that I'm working with on Wednesday nights. And, um, and temporarily, as hard as it is for me to say that, because I know God's wanting to multiply that ministry. And, man, we've, we've been for the past couple of weeks, God, we just come in, circle up. And here's, here's what I love. Men that are hungry not to come in and sit and listen to me teach the Bible for 50 minutes, but men that are hungry to come in and say, man, here's where I'm at. Or to ask the tough questions, man, how, how, what are you, what's the greatest hardships God has brought you through? What, what is God currently doing in your life, man? What, what, how can I pray? What are you struggling? Where's the enemy getting at you most, man? And how has God been faithful to you through that? Have you got anybody in your life asking you those tough questions? How's your marriage doing, man? Y'all okay? How can I pray for your marriage? How's the devil coming against your family? How about your children? How's he coming against your kids? How can I pray for you? See, God didn't intend for you to live life alone, but yet the majority are living life alone because we don't have that realness and that transparency and that counsel around us. And so I'm telling you, God is making and going to make that available for you. But you know what we must do to have that and surrender to it and to grow in our faith? we got to die to our pride. That's what we talked about with our men Wednesday night, dying to our pride. That's where God gets men. Dying to our pride gets the ladies in insecurity and identity. And sometimes that can be even a form of pride where you're so beat down on yourself that God will tell you that's your problem. You're thinking of yourself too much. Just think of me and make me your rock and what I want to be in you. And let me be your strength. And so it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, basically. And then I have a small group that my wife and I is a part of that's a husband-wife small group. And I love it because we get to get in there and we get real. And we're not fake and we're not phony and God's leading us to a place of freedom, not uh, legalism and, and, and Phariseeism. But we're able to live life together knowing that we want to be stronger in our walk with the Lord. And we want to raise up godly children and uh, nurture them and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So the counsel of God and the company of God will guide us in the way of God, okay? The counsel of God through his word and the company of God, the multitude of counsels around us, will guide us in the way of God and we'll see the blessing of God. So when we go to his counsel, what do we see? Here's what we see. Here's what I see when I go to his word, and here's what I see with the spiritual counsel that I put around me. I see things like this. Love me, love one another, and serve one another. Be kind one to another. Have no other gods before me. Don't take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Don't murder. Don't lust. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. See, when I talk about living life together, I'm talking about having some people around you who will ask you how you're doing in these areas. Ricky, how you doing? Ricky's in my men's group. Ricky, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude. It puts your name in there. Ricky is patient, Ricky is kind, Ricky doesn't envy, Ricky doesn't boast. You know, and, and you got somebody to ask you, how you doing in those areas? 
you know, and that's what we need in our life. Is we need someone who will who will ask us. And you say, well, what do you do when you run across that guy and he's my husband and he thinks he's doing good in all those areas? I come and ask you. <laughs> right? You really want to know who I am? Go ask my wife. Don't ask me. Go ask my wife if she respects me. Go ask my son if he respects me. See, because the family knows us best, don't they? See, but I want to be the man of God that God wants me to be. And I want to be respected more by my wife and kids than I do any of you. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And every man in this room needs to have that heart's desire. Every lady in this room needs to have that heart's desire to where you're more respected by your own family than you are all the church members that can sing your praises or tell you how great and wonderful you are and your friends at work and all those things trying to impress them. And, and so God brings blessing to us as we seek him out, his word, his counsel, and as we become a counselor to others, okay? So can we all agree that we need the counsel of God? Everybody, everybody in agreement with that? I hope so. All right, if you're still on the line with that, just keep following the Spirit and coming because he's going he's gonna to break through in your life if you'll just keep saying, God, I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep leaning in, God. I want to hear from you, and I promise you God will show you the way. Now, you and I and everyone alive can follow this counsel or what? We can refuse it. God didn't create robots. He won't force us. He gives us that opportunity of free will, and so we don't have to follow it. You don't have to follow what I'm preaching today. You can just kind of hold your stuff together. You can do like as we talked about in our men's class Wednesday night. You can be that tough, macho guy that was told by your daddy or your granddaddy that real men don't cry. And real men, if you cry, you're weak. To which I say, hey, you need to learn a Bible verse. Start with Jesus well because he's the biggest man I know. And, and, and he showed his emotion. And, and he had compassion. And he let those around him see him cry because he was a real man. So you better quit suppressing your issues because they'll jack you up and destroy everybody around you. You better get real and put some men around you and deal with that quick, angry temper that you have at the ballpark when your kid gets called out on third and you think he was saved and you forget that you're a child of God or a Christian. You better put some people around you that love you to say, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, easy, easy. That's the kind of things we're talking about. That's the kind of things that we're going deeper in. Better put some people around you that'll say, how's that marriage doing? Have you let your kids come in between that marriage? Is the tail wagging the dog in your personal life at home? I tell, I, I, I tell you, I should tell the people this. If my kids come out on a school night after it's their bedtime and they come out of their room, I tell them, they better be bleeding or dying or need lifesaver. You know what I'm talking about? And I have people come to me all the time, well, I just, we can't ever seem to have time for one another, you know, and the kids this, and then you got to do this and this. Put their honeys in there in their bedroom. That's why they got a bedroom. Put them in there. Tell them after such and such time, don't come out. This is mine and mama's time. Sitting on the love seat. Me and my baby still, after 21 years, sit on the love seat, amen? And we commune and we can, we, and it hadn't always been that way, you know. Because I had to die to some pride in my life. But you've got to have those times in your life so that you literally will be growing together because that's what God wants. But do you have anybody asking you how that's going is the question. Because if you don't, then you're not going to have any wise counsel remind you and pointing out to you, hey, if you don't quit living your life around your children, when the last one gets out of your house, you're going to look at one another and go, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know that life seems, the thought of life seems too enjoyable living the rest of it with you. So after 30 years, I'm just going to 
go somewhere else because I don't love you anymore. You know why? Because you forgot who you made those vows and that covenant to, and you forgot that God ordained marriage just like our country has. And literally, literally, you married the one you love rather than loving the one you married. And there's a difference. There's a difference. We're called to love the one we married. So what does that mean? It means when you do it God's way, your love gets stronger, not weaker in year 5, year 7, year 11. The reason it gets weaker and the reason we're um, so impatient and the reason we sarcastically tear one another down in our marriage relationships is, is because we haven't surrendered our life to the Lord and we're not serving our spouse like Jesus serves us. And God says, I got the answer. I got the answer if you want your marriage stronger. I got the answer if you want your family stronger. I've got it. I've got the counsel to give you. I'll put others around you that have had to work through it. They'll be transparent and share flaws and all so that you can be encouraged and know you're not alone in the journey. So those who follow are blessed. Those who refuse are bound to fail partially, and we are bound to fail as a nation when we reject going to God's word for counsel or surrounding ourselves with spiritual counsel. We've, we are going to pay as a country. So let's uh, fast forward here. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. There's only one nation whose God is the Lord today, and that is the church. That's the church. I wish I could say it's America, but it's not as a whole. We all know that. It's not as a whole. Okay, The spiritual and moral decline of America is evident and being proven by our growing independence of God. I don't think anybody would argue that or doubt that, okay? Now, I do want to give praise to God because I believe with all my heart that God intervened, all right, this past Tuesday, and God, because, not because we have uh, uh, now the most um, uh, presidential candidate that represents the heart of God with great character, great integrity, great godly morals. Okay, no, we're praying that God can bring that about, right, in this candidate. I, I, I didn't vote, I didn't vote this past week for a president uh, uh, based on, uh, I wish I could have, but I wasn't able to cast my vote for a man that I respected that reminded me of Jesus, or a person or a candidate that respected me, that, that I respected that reminded me of Jesus, okay? And I'm praying God would bring that change about, but I believe with all my heart that the reason God extended his grace this past week in this country that we're living in uh, is literally because God's people rallied together and prayed and prayed over the last year harder than we have in a long, long time. And he said, oh, you do need me, huh? Oh, you do want to honor me, huh? Oh, it is out of control, huh? Oh, you're more concerned now about your kids' future than you are about building your own personal empire? Okay. Son, do you see them? Do you see them gathered around the altar? Do you see them for a year? Do you see faithful men like Franklin Graham rallying believers across this country standing outside the White House and, and, and humbling themselves and seeking their face and turning from their wicked ways and crying out to me? How do you remember how they started out, son? I remember. I remember the spiritual forefathers calling out to us, don't you? Oh, I remember. Do, do, you, do you remember how that their ultimate goal was to have true freedom? And how that they paid a price to go and find true freedom. But how they looked to us. They wouldn't build their own empire. They looked to us for guidance so that that freedom could be. They, their, their main purpose for loading in that little old boat. <laughs> we'll talk about more about that next week. 
Thanksgiving was, was to worship in freedom. And worship the one true God. Not be forced in any other way. And that others could have freedom. Even in their own worship. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I remember that. I see some faithful. I see a remnant. I see some living for our kingdom. I do too, Father. Let's answer the prayer. Let's extend the grace. I really believe that. But I believe something else that's deep in the, in the Father's heart and the heart of the Son is, is um, also that those who, <laughs> it's amazing how we do, but this is the way it works. We pray and pray and pray when it becomes so important that we see things are out of our control and we need God. I think everybody would agree with that. Oh, no, I'm in trouble now. Oh, God, we need you. Oh, God, how did, how did planes hit our, you know what I'm saying, towers? Oh, God, we need you. That's beyond the government's control. The government can't even protect me. I thought the government could protect me. Oh, I need God. In our own lives, man, we rock along, boy, we're going to be fine, and we, we got everything in control. Boom, something happens that's out of our control. Cancer, I can't control that. God, I need you. I can't control that. I need you, God. And that's the way we do. So my, my concern is this, okay? The, the real consistent praying must start now. Christians have a tendency to pray hard, see God move in something, and then get complacent and lethargic and lay back. L let me tell you, it's, the real praying is going to have to start now. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I am challenging you not to be a lazy, apathetic, disobedient church member. Our churches across this nation need to be challenged not to be lazy, disobedient, they must step up now. Selfish church members sitting in our churches watching a minority of God's obedient children carry the, work, the, the workload, the financial load, the serve load, the responsibility of the church. Listen, you need to step up, surrender to God, and be who he's calling you to be in his local church. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you what God would tell you through his word. It's just time to step up. It's time for the church to step up and be the true church so that God can make us who he wants us to be. So what decision will you make? What, would, what will you do between you and Christ? Will you look to Christ for counsel? Will you allow him to work in this area of your life where you look to his word first? Where, where, where you put godly counsel around you and then where you become a counsel yourself? Think about that. He's called you to be a counselor yourself. Are you at a place in your spiritual walking condition that you could give biblical counsel to someone else and they could look at the obedience in your life that you're totally surrendered to God and to his kingdom? And if not, God wants to get us there. Second decision real quick, trust in God's sovereign divine care. Look at verse 13. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. <laughs> That's comforting. That's comforting. So when you or no one else in the world really knows what's going on, rest assured we can trust that we have a God that is all-knowing. Literally, the theological term for that, teaching a little theology, is he's omniscient. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. He sees all. The, he, he, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about the sparrow, and the song says his eyes on the sparrow, so I know he watches me. So don't listen to the devil when he comes against you, when he tries to change your mental perception to get you to work, walk in your life in the mind rather than the spirit, when he, when he tries to discourage you, to depress you, to make you feel lonely. If you're a child of God, you're promised divine protection, and literally you are sheltered in the arms of God. There's those songs we sang when I was growing up. So let the storms rage high, let the dark clouds rise. They don't worry me. Why? Because I'm sheltered in the arms of God. I'm sheltered in the arms of God. I'm looking to God for counsel. I'm under no huge burden about financial collapse in my family. Not one bit of my burden. 
You say, well, what if the church tells you that we can't pay you no more? Well, we may be getting close to that, all right? But God will provide, amen? God will either raise up the heart of people to be obedient or God will open the door for me. He's always been faithful to me. He's always been faithful to me. And so I can trust him in every area of my life. But can you? Can you? You say, oh, yes, I can. But are you? That's the question. Because many are not. Many are not because he doesn't have. He doesn't have your entire heart. And I'm telling you, he's an all-knowing God. He sees all. Verse 14, from where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth, he who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. He sees all. He sees you down to the deepest core. He saw Adam and Eve were naked and afraid and, and, and guilty. And so he went looking after them to clothe them. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. And I believe that's what happened in our land as God's people gathered together to pray. So not only can we trust God for being omniscient, that all-knowing aspect of God, but we can trust him for being omnipotent. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. We would be foolish to put this type of trust in anyone or anything else, including, here's what this psalm is saying, including our government or our military. Look at verse 16 and 17. The king is not saved by his great army. America's not going to be saved by her great military might or her army or no nation. A warrior is not delivered by his own personal great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. So here's, here's the point. A godless man or nation is weak no matter how big their muscles. A godless man and a godless nation is weak no matter how big their muscles. No, big, no matter how big their military, okay? That's what this psalm is saying. Why? Because God is all-knowing. Because God is the only omnipotent. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that we could build the largest military ever that no nation could compete and compare with and still continue to murder babies and allow same-sex marriages and lose the war. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Word of God says. So where the real prayer starts is, okay, God, you've extended your grace. Now would you change the leadership's heart? Would you change us to get us back rather than to doubt and say, well, that ain't happening. That ain't ha they ain't ever going to change marriage back to what God called it. Well, we better if we want to see the blessing of God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. They are his heritage. And that's what needs to happen in our land. Because I'm telling you, this psalm is for America. I mean, it's for any nation that tries to neglect, reject God. It's for you in your home. It's for you in your home. That the Lord would be the God of, that God would be the Lord of your own personal home, your own personal life. That He would own you in every area, every area of your life. <laughs> so that you would be blessed. So your children would be blessed. You say, can you break that down a little more? I can. You may not ask for it. So that your children won't be grieving when you die. And never be able to get back together for Thanksgiving because of the love of money in their heart that they saw in you because God wasn't really your God and you didn't trust him in every area of your life. Now we're getting real. But that's what the Word speaks and says. That's what the Word speaks and says. And I know it's a tough truth, guys, but, but I want to give you the truth, all right? I don't want to rob you, and I don't want to be hypocritical, but, but, but that is the truth. So far, we see in this text God's shown us that the nation whose God is the Lord is blessed because 
only our Lord is omniscient. That means only he's all-knowing. Only he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And lastly, he's omnipresent. Now, what that big word means theologically, break it down for you, is he's everywhere at every moment, and only God can be that. Satan himself cannot be that. Look at verse 18. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are those on those who, everybody say the next word, on those who what? Fear him. Thank you. On those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. Fear, that word. Can I tell you this morning that it's a joy to be fearful? You ever thought about that? There's a peace in me about, about fear. Now, that's going to stretch us, isn't it? It stretched me when the Spirit gave it to me this morning. As he spoke that in, it's a joy to be fearful. As long as that fear is the only type I'm supposed to have. It's the only type I'm supposed to have, and it's a joy. What is that type? To, the, to, to have reverential fear of God. I reverential fear God, and it's a joy. Man, it's a joy. I stand in awe of him. I, I cringe at the thought of being disobedient to him in every area of my life. But I, I cringe at the thought of not being a wise steward in my time, my talent, my treasures, because I fear him so much. See, my... My healthy fear of God is a sign of my devoted love to him that he's the top priority in my life, that I love him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, that I, lo- I don't love anything more than I love him, not my wife, not my kids, not my ball team, not my hobby, not my possessions. Why? Because God's counsel says you can't love and worship God and yourself or your money or your possessions it's an all-out surrendered commitment and that's what God wants to take us to that's where God wants to get you to so you can be a counselor to others See, we're not to have a spirit of fear any other way the fear of man the Bible says a snare or a trap I don't fear debt collectors calling me I don't fear having to go to court because I can't pay my bills God's never let me down in that area. I don't fear that. I don't fear interest rates and late fees and those type of things in my life. Why? Because God said, bring me mine and I'll take care of you. Bring me mine, I'll take care of you. And he has. I don't fear the enemy getting my kids. Sure, he's going to try sure he's going to try, but I'm going to tell you something. I've been praying for my kids from the time they were conceived in their mother's womb when they were a real life. And I've watched God draw them all to the saving knowledge of Christ. So the devil can get his stinking hands off my kids. Because I know who my God is. I know he's an all-knowing God. I know he's an all-powerful God. I know he's an omnipresent God. That even when I can't be with my kids, he is. He is. And he who began a good work in them will finish it and complete it. Because he gives a steadfast love, verse 18 says. Not a spirit of fear, but of love and a strong mind. That he might, look at verse 19. That he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. If you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about your circumstances dictating your life because Jesus is Lord over your circumstances no matter what they are. No matter what they are. You walk in obedience, 
you're going to be fine. Oh, it's going to be trying. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, it's going to be trying. Oh, they're, 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 he's going to come against you. Oh, the doubt's going to come. The discouragement's going to come. The depression's going to come in seasons. If you're really trying to serve the Lord. But let me tell you, it's worth it because he's showing you who he is through it all. Through your wilderness moments, like Jesus said, led by the Spirit of God for a time of testing and a time of temptation. But it was the enemy tempting. It was God testing to prove him faithful, to proving that he would go to the Father. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every, every counsel, every word, Christ, authority, his truth in his life. Get off of me. Oh, but I'll give you this, Jesus. I'll give you, look, look off the pen. I'll give you all this. Don't you want the possessions? Don't you want the things that bring temporary pleasure? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's what some of y'all need to tell him when God goes for your heart to go for your obedience in the biblical area of bringing him what's his. You need to tell the devil to get his hand off of you not being obedient. I'm just telling him. That's what the word would say. I love you. I love you, God. I love you. But the spirit is on me to tell you what the word would say. God will deliver you. God, When the children of Israel were wondering and Moses was trying to lead them through and they wanted to go back to Egypt to slavery, let me tell you something. It wasn't the government. It wasn't Pharaoh. It wasn't anybody else. It wasn't Moses himself that fed them when they were starving and hungry. It was the sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God that rained it down. He's the one who said, I'll deliver you. I'll keep you alive in the tough times. <laughs> He's the one that told Mary and Martha. Jesus said to Martha in verse, uh, John 11, 25, 26, just listen to this verse, if you will. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, though he die, yet shall he live. What is this? You know what I've come to grips with? I'm going to die unless Jesus carries his return. There ain't a thing the devil can do to get my soul, amen? There ain't a thing he can do because I'm safe in the arms of God. There ain't a thing he can do. I just want to die obedient. How about you? How about you? Is your aim and goal in life to be a pretty good person and respected by, more by people than it is to be respected by God? That's why we wear these masks sometimes and don't want to get real with one another. We want to act like we got it all together. And God knows deep down inside. We've got issues. Anybody else got issues in here besides me when I try to walk in my own way? Thank you, Josh. You're in that class on Wednesday night, buddy. We're getting real. How can we pray for one another? How can we cover one another? How can we get real? How can we arrive to the standard that God's placed on our lives? How can we live in freedom and die to legalism? And manisms that are injected on us. So the nation whose God is the Lord does not have to worry about being left alone, forsaken to die, because our Lord can be depended on and we can delight ourselves in Him. And I conclude with these last three verses. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. Good things come to those that wait. I'm learning that principle. It's hard, but I'm learning it. He is our help and our shield. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir does a song that you need to YouTube it or Google it. It'll get all over you. For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. That's who he is. Psalm 3.3 says that. That's where they got the song. Verse 21, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. 
Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Would you bow your head and you close your eyes? It's your time now. I've been obedient. I've done my part in bringing the word. And I love you enough to challenge you to ask, for, get you to ask God, God, what is my step right now? What is the number one step right now that you're telling me to do through this message? For some of you in here, he's telling you to give your heart to him. He can't even complete his work in you till you die to yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. That means literally this gift of salvation that even this psalm talks about, the Lord of our salvation. It means that you come to a point today because there's never been a time in your life, possibly for some of you in here, to where you've repented of your sins, confessed them, and asked you to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the first step. That's the first step. You can't ever get any other blessing of God in a spiritual way till you come into salvation through him. That's the first step. So if you're here and you need Jesus, just tell him right now. Say, God, forgive me of all my sins. God, come into my heart right now. Thank you for your counsel, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit drawing me right now to this moment to surrender. Surrender. To throw up the white flag, God. I'm throwing up the white flag. I'm tired of trying to find peace on my own. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. In Jesus' name I pray. And then there's others in here, I'm going to tell you. If you die, if, if God came back today, or if we died, I'm going to ask you a question. Would he find you at the moment you died, walking in obedience to his counsel, to his word? Would he find you there striving? Not perfect, not prideful, but moving. See, there's some things the Spirit's already told many of you in here that steps you're going to have to take and make. Because the devil's tempting you not to trust God totally in every area of your life. And God's testing you. God's testing you. And God knows. I want it for you. The leadership wants it for you, not from you. But God knows how you'll respond. Father, I love you, God. Thank you, God, for your love for me. Thank you that you're a God who is gracious, but I thank you that you are a God who, Lord, you disciplined me, God. I mean, it, it's been times it's been painful. I didn't want to hear it, God. I wanted to continue down a path that I was going, Lord, to try to deal with my issues, Father. But you, oh God, are the glory and the lifter of my head, a shield around me, Father God. Thank you for speaking in my heart. Thank you for speaking in my life. Thank you for getting through my hard-headedness, God through my, my pride, Lord. And, and I give you all praise, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you'd continue to do that, Father, Lord. And that, God, I think these people that pray for me, God, that I would stay close and clean and walk in obedience. And, God, I pray it over them. They're your people, God. They're the sheep of your pasture, God. Lord, would you lead us to greener pastures, God, as we totally surrender in every area of our life, Father. And we, and we make you the Lord of our home, God. And, Lord, would you... God, move our nation, God, to, Lord, where we could say you are the Lord of our nation as a whole, Father. Would you lead us, God, to reverse, God, what now we call marriage? Would you lead us to reverse Roe versus Wade, God, and stop murdering innocent lives, Father? Would you bring revival to this land, this country, God? 
and remove all forms of selfishness. Let it begin in me and let it begin in every spiritual man, leader in this home, in this church, in their homes. God, let it begin in all these selfless, um, Lord, um, body of yours, Father, remnant, God, that wants to serve you and please you. Those that are selfish, God, man, woman, boy, girl, whatever it is, God, I pray they die to it and surrender to you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.